good to be here again after uh, uh, a long time. And uh, uh, you probably now know why, isn't it? We have not been here for a long time. Uh, since I was last year, God has blessed us with a handsome young man who has just entered the building, so you probably will see him later. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, leading the service and uh, for all the readers, particularly my namesake, Elijah Daniel, uh, for reading so well. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, what Elijah uh, read. So uh, Philemon, it's just one chapter. It's one of the shortest uh, books in the whole Bible. Uh, so uh, we'll look at that. But before you do that, let's pray. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dear brother. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we uh, open this, this short letter uh, to Philemon, that you will speak to us. Use my, uh, my words to, to speak to the hearts of your people, develop faith, to create an admiration for the Lord Jesus and a love for dear brothers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the most difficult thing you've ever have to do? Uh, can I get answers? What's the most difficult thing you've ever had to do? Uh, that a diff anybody can volunteer to, to, to give me an answer? Uh, it, it, it probably was an exam. Uh, I've done some really difficult exams in the past. Maybe that's what comes to mind. Or, or a hike in a mountain, and, and it was really hard. Uh, and you're probably thinking, I would, I would never do it again. That was really hard. Uh, it could be some crazy assignment at work, some, some job. That was, that was really hard. Uh, it could be raising children. No, uh, we're not complaining yet. <laughs> but, but, but I know that can be hard, isn't it? Uh, uh, Ukrainians have just had to go to war. And that's hard. That, that's really hard to see the country that you loved uh, all, all brought down, you know, in, in a war. You see, this fallen world presents us plenty of really difficult situations and challenges. And we experience them in various ways. Uh, but this morning, our passage addresses something that is also really difficult to do, and which every so often we are faced with, and we find it really difficult. It's, it's not like some of those things I've, I've, I've talked about, but it is not, it's not easy, and, 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 and it's, it's opening your hearts to people who are not like you, especially if they have wronged you. That's the situation that we have in this book. It's welcoming, opening your hearts to somebody who is not like you, 
especially if they have wronged you. And Paul writes to Philemon, and I think the summary is in verse 17. If you consider me a partner, or as Elijah read, a friend, welcome him as you'd welcome me. Now, first, understand why this would have been really difficult for Philemon. We, 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 need, we, we need to know who Philemon was and what was going on. You see, Philemon was a Christian man living in a place called Colossae. And he was a really good friend to Paul, the apostle. Not much is known about him or is said about him in the New Testament. It is speculated that that name in verse 2, Aphia, our sister, is probably his wife. And Archippus is his son. Uh, he, he looks like he's fairly wealthy. He's a rich man. And as a rich man in the Greco-Roman world, he has slaves working for him. Now, in our world today, when we talk about slaves and slavery, we automatically think about, you know, the slave trade in the, you know, the 19th and the 18th century. But, but that's not what slavery looked like in the Greek Roman world. See, first, especially if you are a person of my color, slavery was not racial in those days. It was not like some white man who held black men. It was not, it was not anything near that. And, and the conditions of slaves then was, was much better than the slaves in the slave trade. So a lot of people actually offered themselves to be slaves to people. Now, I'm not trying to say that it was all good, it was all rosy, not at all. It, 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 it's probably like a, a, a labor force. Slavery was like the labor force of the Greek Roman world. It's something almost similar to being an employee today. But being an employee today is much better because you have a lot of rights and you have an HRM that you can go to, you know, when things are difficult. Of course, the, those things were not there. So imagine being an employee in a situation where you don't have rights, don't have a contract, you don't have, you know, it's, it's something like that. And one of Philemon's slaves was a man called Onesmus. And this Onesmus finds himself with Paul, the apostle, in prison. So Paul is in prison three times. He tells us in this letter, I'm in chains, I'm in prison. And they meet in prison. Now, we don't know how they met. The most probable explanation is that Onesmus ran away from his boss, from his master, uh, uh, Philemon. He probably did something wrong. Maybe he stole something from his master. And he ran away and uh, uh, somehow ended up in prison with Paul. It's, it's not very clear like that in the text. What is clear is that they find themselves together. Paul is in prison and he meets Onesmus in prison. And during their time together, Onesmus becomes a Christian. And so Paul writes to Philemon, Onesmus' master, boss, and sends Onesmus with a letter, and he has one big request for Onesmus, or for Philemon. Please take him back. And not just as a slave, but as a treasured friend and brother. 
Do you see how, why this, this might have been really hard for Philemon to do? This was your slave who stole from you, who did something and ran away. And now Paul the Apostle is writing and saying, actually, please, please, how about you take him back? But don't just take him back as one of your slaves, but as a treasured friend and brother. See, previously was probably just like a machine. You know, if, if, if it was a slave, for example, in charge of doing laundry, the, the, the probably would have been no difference between Philemon having a washing machine or having Onesimus. He was just a slave anyway. But now Paul is saying, you know, you, 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 you can't treat him as a washing machine anymore. You must treat him not just humanly, no. You must treat him as a treasured friend and brother because he has become a Christian. And quickly, I think there are three reasons why that I think uh, we can get from this letter, why Paul insists that Philemon changes his attitude towards Onesimus. So first, Christians are in a gospel partnership. Christians are in a gospel partnership. It's right there in that verse 17. If you consider me a partner, so the version that uh, Elijah Daniel read is a friend. But I think a friend is, is, is a little bit a light word. I think partner brings it out better. Somebody we, we work together. Somebody in whom we are shareholders, uh, as it were. Now, Paul is not expressing doubt by saying, if you consider me a partner, it's just stating a fact. We are partners. You and me, Philemon, are partners. Uh, it's right there in verse 1 when Paul starts this letter to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. We, we are partners. We work together. And it's not just Philemon uh, and Paul who are in this partnership. There's a list that Elijah Daniel didn't read at the end of this short letter. Some other partners, some fellow workers, as it were, of Paul. You see, the gospel brings people into a partnership. We share, we, sh we are shareholders, as it were, of Christ. You see, there's no Christ for them and Christ for us. There's no Christ for masters and Christ for slaves. No, we are partners together. We are shareholders together of Christ. Or as some other passages say, we are one body in Christ. The idea comes again in verse 6. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul is praying that Philemon's commitment to the partnership, to the togetherness, will be effective in helping him understand much better the blessings that all Christians have in Jesus 
Friends, do you see that growing as a Christian, deepening your faith, does not happen on your own, on our own. It is with fellow believers, it is in partnership that we grow and deepen our faith. The Christian faith is teamwork, so to speak. That's I have a friend of mine who doesn't like the word members. I'm a member of the church. Because a member is like, you know, just come and sit there and you know you, you know you can just be a member. Unless probably you are a VVIP member or you know a business class member, then you have some stake. We are not just members in that sense. We are partners. We are shareholders if we are Christians. So Philemon and us need to remember that. There's only one Christ and we share in him together. In the book of Colossians, he addresses this issue of master and slaves. And he tells the masters, by the way, be careful how you treat the slaves because both you and the slaves have one judge, Jesus Christ. You are all equal before Christ. You see, under Christ, all the worldly hierarchy and power structures are turned upside down. We are all made into partners of this great inheritance. So Philemon and us must remember that's not number one. Number two, Christians are in a family relationship in a family relationship. And it's right there from the start again, from verse one, Paul writes, uh, I, Paul, and Timothy, our brother. And that word brother keeps coming up, coming up in the letter. Then he says, then we have Afia, our sister. And this relationship was three flows from the wonderful foundational principle that God is our father. You see, it underlines the same thing we've seen, that we are not alone as Christians. When we become Christians, we are brought into a family with many brothers and sisters. So in verse 10, when Onesimus becomes a Christian, Paul calls him my son, family language. In verse 15, he says, uh, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Do you see that the Christian life is not just me and God? as we sometimes think. So it's just about my personal relationship with God. No. It's our. It's a family. We are a family. Uh, sometimes the question gets asked, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? I hear that question a lot, of course, especially after COVID. Uh, people have been slow in coming to church for a long time. People just, you know, you, it's, it's become more and more difficult. And, you know, I, I probably could just watch some popular preacher on TV, you know, on a Sunday morning, and that would just be fine. 
or, or listen to some music. But what if we change that question and ask, if God has called us to be a family with brothers and sisters, and our brothers and sisters are meeting together in the part one to hear what our father has to say and to enjoy his presence. Why on earth would you not want to be there? You know, it, it's a problem. If if you do not want to join the family gathering as they meet up. See, friends, we are called to be a family. No prejudices at all. No hierarchy at all. So verse 3, uh, or, or rather uh, uh, number 3, Christians are called to sacrificial love. You see, if we are partners, friends, doing something together, sharing something together, partners, and we are family, then our relationship must be marked by genuine love for one another. As of verse 4 and 5, Paul is really happy about Philemon because several people have been telling Paul how Philemon loves other Christians. And he's wealthy, he has money, and one of the ways he loves people is by giving out his money to other people. He's, he's generous, verse 6. And so Paul says in verse 7, your love for God's people has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, family, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. See, a family that loves each other supports one another. It's genuine love for one another. And when it comes to the appeal for Nesmus, Paul lays down his apostolic authority. He says, I'm an apostle. I, I, I could command you. But, but I can't issue commands to you. Verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Because people don't order each other. In the family, people appeal to each other on the basis of love, as people love one another. Letter only says, I, I would have loved to keep him. He's, he's so dear to me. But I, I don't want to force you. I want your concern. You see, that's how people in the family relate. You don't just impose things on other people as it were. It's genuine love. For one another. Verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. My very heart. That's how much he loves him. He loves him to beats, as people would say nowadays, or to the moon and back. Eh? And that's the kind of love that we are called to. 
And true love is going to be sacrificial. So verse 18, if he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing with my own hands. I will pay it back. That's what Paul says. If he owes you anything, I am committing myself, signing this with my own hands. I will pay it back. See, Paul is offering, he doesn't even know how much Onesimus owes, but whatever he owes, he will pay back. And if you know anything about the Christian faith, you know that Paul is not just being an idiot, offering himself to pay a debt he doesn't even know how much it is to a stranger or for a stranger he has just met. See, that is the message of the Christian faith that Jesus offered to pay every debt that we owed. See, this is the gospel. Every punishment that we deserved, all our sins, Jesus paid for it at a costly price. And so Paul can offer to pay any cost for a fellow Christian. And, and by the way, Following Jesus is always going to be costly. There's always going to be a cost to following Jesus, our gospel reading today. It's always going to be costly. So always, in, in this context of relationships, always going to mean loving people who'd otherwise not love. It's always been, mean, you know, humbling ourselves when we'd rather, you know, our ego wouldn't allow us. But doing it, albeit painfully, because we are called to sacrificial love. Uh, do you see why we can no longer hold grudges against our fellow Christians? Do you see why even if our prejudices are founded, like in this case it would have been founded, probably Onesma stole from him, probably right that Philemon would be angry at him and would have prejudices against him. But, but he can't. See friends, Christians are called to a gospel partnership, a gospel friendship, working together, sharing together. We are called to a family relationship and that's going to involve loving one another in very sacrificial ways. Amen.